0: Welcome on in to the Superintendent Radio Network and the Beyond the Page podcast, our monthly podcast that dives a little deeper into the stories and columns in Golf Course Industry Magazine. I'm Matt Lowell, Managing Editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine, and this month on the podcast, I talk with Henry Delosier. He is our game plan columnist. He writes a page every month. He is also the principal Uh, or a a principal in the Global Golf Advisors Consultancy. He's also chairman of the board of directors of Audubon International. And in the March issue, if you have not read it, it is on page 8. If you do not have a physical copy, it is also on golfcourseindustry.com. Search Delosier, D-E-L-O-Z-I-E-R. He wrote a great column called Spread the Goodness of Golf. And when it came in, it hit a lot of really right notes it kind of hits you in the heartstrings and it also provided for lack of a better term a game plan for folks in the industry to use to do just some little things that would have a big effect on spreading the goodness the greatness of golf and then since it came in and since the issue published obviously the world has changed a lot um and it will continue to change. And the column just became, I think, even more important and even more resonant. And he, he makes a few points, Henry does, but it kind of just plants a seed in your head now as well. All the great things that golf can do and can be in the months and years to come, however long our world stays in this in this state that it is in, in, whether it's two months or four months or six months or a year or however long, Long long-term, I think the game will be healthy, and I think Henry does to a large degree too, and we do here at Golf Course Industry. I hope you enjoy the column, and I hope you enjoy our conversation, and I do hope you like everything we do in the magazine and on the website and here on Superintendent Radio Network because, like Henry, we're doing it, to help spread the goodness of golf. Enough from me. Let's get on to our conversation with Henry deloser This month on Beyond the Page, making his Superintendent Radio Network debut, I think, or at least his Beyond the Page debut, Henry Delosier, he writes our monthly game plan column in the magazine. If you're not familiar with him, he is a principal in the Global Golf Advisors Consultancy, also currently the chairman of the board of directors of Audubon International. He's out in Arizona and wrote a great column for the March issue that hit the right note at that point in time, and I think it hits the right note even more so now with everything the industry and superintendents are dealing with at this moment in time, spreading the goodness of golf. Henry, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you very much for asking, Matt.
0: So if folks have not had a chance to read this column, I think that's totally okay. It's one page. We're going to talk for as long as you want to talk just about really golf advocacy really promoting the game, promoting it's not even just goodness, it's greatness, and you opened your column with a scene from a really good golf movie, The Legend of Bagger Vance, and it was a scene with a young boy and a golfer, and I will get out of the way and I will let you tell that story and maybe why you kind of opened your column with that story before we get into stuff that folks can do to proselytize this great game.
1: Okay. Uh, but first of all, uh, in the in the column was to talk about the importance that exists for those of us who have our professions, who do our work in and around the game of golf. We we owe a great debt to the game of golf, and we have a responsibility to invite others to be a part of it. Uh, the scene that I described in Bagger Vance is a, a scene when, in a moment of frustration. The lead character, played by Matt Damon, uh, Randolph Juna, is down in the dumps, has had a bad round. And his young caddy, uh, whose name, in the, the character name was Hardy Greaves, is played by Michael Moncrief, with asked, you know, Damon to Moncrief, you really love this game, don't you? And the little boy says, it's the greatest game there is. And the Randolph Juna character comes back and says, you really think so? and the little boy describes what he thinks about the game. It's fun. Um, it, it, it's hard. It, there, It's a demanding sport. Um, and there you stand out there in that green, green grass. And, of course, as I was watching that scene, it brought me back to my own kind of humble beginnings. Um, I'm one of six children from a farm town in Oklahoma. I have wonderful parents, and they were unable financially to provide me any sort of a country club lifestyle. So um, my opportunity came when the local professional made me a bargain back in the day, which was you clean out the locker rooms and you get to play the golf course for nothing. And of course, I, as they say, down in Oklahoma, jumped on that like a duck on a June bug and played golf as much as I possibly could. And that gave me great purpose in life. So when I saw this scene in Bagger Vance, of course, I reminisced to the point of that, that kid is me. That That's what I experienced. And the love you feel for the game, the fact that you understand, even as a child, that this game is teaching me values. This game is demanding that I have a set of standards in my own life. Uh, whether it's the rules of golf or the rules of Henry, everyone has to have to, has to have some structure in which they function, and so uh, it caused me to really be touched by the movie. And as I was thinking about the theme I wanted to address in the in the game plan piece, I, I was wanting to talk about with people those of us in and around the game need to do a better job of telling people about what we think is important uh, in in golf and. To me, the first and most important values are its existential values. You know, the, the, the fact that it puts you into this beautiful setting, it, it, it challenges you to perform at levels that typically are higher in our expectations than our, our capabilities. And I think that's part of the magic of the whole thing. Uh, the, it teaches us to aspire, and I think aspiration is an important benefit that comes from golf. It also teaches us to deal with adversity. Lord only knows I'd like to have a dollar for every golf ball I saw uh, crossing over the boundary stakes or splashing into the hazard. Um, it teaches us that you can't lay down on the ground and pitch a fit. You've got to pull yourself together and step up to the challenge of of, of overcoming that mistake that you maybe have made. Um, as I had the chance to be educated by golf on a on a golf scholarship at Oklahoma State University. It gave me the opportunity also then to start thinking about uh, the real life benefits that come from golf and one of the uh, great one of the great takeaways for me uh, from golf has been in seeing how golf represents such a valuable environmental haven uh, for for uh, Flora and Bona. It creates open space within communities. Um, having worked for a decade in the residential development segment, uh, working for America's largest home building company, I had the opportunity to watch our engineers use golf courses to plan for their open space obligations to create drainage ways so that all of the neighbors could be safe from flooding because the water could be directed into the golf course corridor. Um, I think that those attributes are important. Now, uh, you know, I'm proud of the program that Audubon International has introduced called Monarchs in the Rough, mm-hmm. uh, in which in which uh, golf course superintendents are encouraged to um, uh, find spots around their facilities for milkweed, which is a, a preferred. Uh, you know, food source for the monarchs so that we keep these butterflies and the other components of our lives that in- inspire us or-, or bring pleasure to us uh, creating habitat. So th- I think those things are an important opportunity. Most of the work that we do nowadays that involves golf course superintendents comes back to budgets, comes back to usage of chemicals and pesticides, it becomes in many ways an administrative responsibility for so many golf course superintendents. And I don't think most golf course superintendents got in the business thinking, boy, this is great. One of these days, I'm going to get to do time cards. I'm going to get to do my monthly pesticide report. I'm going to get to sit at my desk and calculate all these other things. I think they got in the business because of the sheer love of being outdoors, being in that beautiful, as, as Hardy Greaves described it, green, green grass. And I think all of us in the business have to get connected back to what is it about this business that attracted me in the first place? So for me, uh, the encouragement in the, in the column was that we take golf to heart, that we that we make golf something that we recognize was a really Important part of our lives and can be for future, you know, for the future people who come to golf. I've been impressed with this young man by the name of Chris Hart, who founded Next Gen Golf up in Boston, and he he is attracting millennials to golf. Not that they weren't already attracted, not that they weren't already players, but he has created a destination for them through his Next Gen Golf programs. And it was from Chris that I learned that so many of these millennials consider golf to be one of the most important factors that is a part of their looking forward lifestyle. And, of course, the Next Gen team called out five factors that they think are important. I enumerated those in, in the column. And the point is it is not just we baby boomers who draw such great values from golf it is millennials as well and i think all of us need to keep that in mind as we look to the future of golf
0: right and i'm a part of that generation i'm an older millennial i think what did we what do we start in 1982 1981 so my generation is about 25 to 39 some folks are relatively young in their careers some are getting more steady and there are a lot of folks with some extra time if you know they don't have three or four kids running around the house Uh, they might have a little bit expendable discretionary income normally. And so, yeah, I mean, people on the news, they still say, oh, these millennials, when they're talking about kids who are in college and that is whatever you want to call them now, Gen Y or, or whatever. But yeah, uh, my generation, the millennial generation coming to golf more. And you do mention, uh, next gen golf in your column. I didn't know what Chris was doing particularly with that organization. That sounds fantastic.
1: Chris has done great work at NextGen and uh, has, has really been a, a, a siren call for so many uh, young golfers looking for relationships with golf, and, uh, and, and the organization is prospering and, and is now a property of PGA of America, and I expect that it will continue to prosper. Uh, I always think of Chris when I pick up publications that want to talk to me about how millennials aren't interested in golf, the millennial generation doesn't care about golf. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that's an erroneous understanding. Um, There's plenty of data to support that. And, by the way, with Chris's help, uh, several of the millennials in our firm actually executed a study of millennial golfers a couple of years ago, the infographic on that study is available on our, on our firm's website, ggapartners.com. And anyone who wants to go there is welcome to download that study. But the fact of the matter is there are plenty of millennials who are interested in golf. And, and oh, by the way, if for those people who want to tell you that millennials aren't interested in golf, someone should probably call Justin Thomas Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, and just give them the heads up that they're really not interested uh, because they seem to be pretty dedicated to me. Okay. So I think uh, we in the business need to address this myth that millennials are not interested in golf because there's plenty of evidence to the contrary.
0: Pretty much every big name on the PGA Tour other than maybe Tiger and Phil who are uh, right. X. And, actually, Phil's probably X. Yeah, Correct. he was born in the 70s. Yeah
1: fact of the matter is, the, the professional golf is a young man's game, and it is these young men and, and young women on the LPGA tour who are controlling that that category. And uh, so, uh, what all of us in golf need to do is refocus on the fact that golf is a wonderful game. It has tremendous attributes and residual benefits. That are ageless and timeless and are not unique to any particular generation. Uh, I think we baby boomers came along at a time when television and Arnold Palmer and maybe Dwight Eisenhower all showed up at the same time on the same scene and made golf the, the happening thing. But the fact of the matter is there are plenty of highly attractive reasons for these millennials to be engaged with golf and they are being so. Uh, the key, One of the key things that came out of the next-gen GGA study was that millennials find golf attractive. They find many other things attractive as well. So where maybe for some of us, golf was the only thing. For a lot of the millennials, golf is an important thing, and it's one of a number of things, number of entertainments that they value. So um, that's an important lesson to take away.
0: And there are so many other options now, too, Uh, for so long it was you played golf, you went out, you played 18 holes. It took three, three and a half hours if you were really cooking. It took four or five if you were taking your sweet time. Now you can play nine a lot more easily. There are so many incredible short courses out there. I've had the chance in the last few months to see The Cradle at Pinehurst and Seven out at Desert Mountain, not far from where you are. Uh, And and those are just two to name – uh, from a field of many, there's just a lot more options to get into the game and to, and to attract newer players, I feel like, Henry.
1: You bet. And, you know, one of, one of my, uh, another one of my attractions, we, we certainly look at the cradle at, you know, at, at Pinehurst. You mentioned seven out at Desert Mountain, two incredible golf complexes, you know, world-class in every way. And at the same time, there's the road course at, at, at Green Tree Country Club in Midland, Texas, uh, a little short course planned by uh, 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 Trip Davis. And it's wonderful. It's, it's a terrific addition to that country club, and it invites children, grandparents, uh, ladies who maybe are just beginning the game to all feel comfortable in a very easy-to-access manner. So uh, I believe that's a piece of the future that we're having a chance to glimpse, and I suggest to golf course superintendents, everyone wants to be alert for creating opportunities that enable new golfers to engage in the game in ways that can can let them find the magic of it for themselves.
0: Right, so many other introductory options besides and there's nothing wrong with this but other than just going to top golf and hitting a bucket of balls sure. from a bay for a couple of hours.
1: Sure. You know, when I first heard about top golf I was somewhat dismissive. I, I like to think of myself as a, an innovative thinker and, and open-minded person. And I, I have to say that I, my first impression was, well, that seems like a kind of a silly idea. And then I went to the top golf facility up near uh, Addison, Illinois on a cold, kind of sleeting evening, maybe temperature in the low 40s. It was 6 p.m, so it was already dark there at that time of the year. And I thought, well, I'll just swing by, see what this thing is all about, and go have some dinner. My first indication that I was sorely mistaken was when I ended up having to park in the ditch on the road leading into Top Golf because it was packed. And as I walked the line of people hitting and playing and having fun, you know, any of us who've been around the game for a while can kind of walk down the tee line, and you can spot the people who are pretty good players and who know what they're doing. And what impressed me most was the people who seemed the least um, athletically inclined for golf were having a blast. They were throwing high fives, ringing up points, doing all kinds of fun things. And as I was walking along that evening, it dawned on me, who am I to say that there's only one way for people to engage in this game that's so important? And my takeaway was if these people who I think aren't especially accomplished golfers believe that they're having fun and consider themselves now to be golfers, then good for them. And, you know, welcome to the party, and and as far as I'm concerned, good for golf. So um, I very much changed my mind in that one visit, and it caused me to think differently about new, innovative, and different um, applications for golf that I hadn't seen previously. So certainly
0: caused me to do a 180. To not dwell on what's going on all around the world right now, but golf has gotten a lot of attention, a lot of it good, some of it bad in the last couple of weeks because of COVID nineteen. Folks are out playing more rounds. I don't know if you had a chance to read this. Uh I apologize I didn't mention this early to you. There was a story in the New York Times a few days ago by Bill Pennington Golf rounds surged as coronavirus advanced. Now the game is retreating. And there's just one stat in here that I want to bring up. So this is in New Jersey, uh, Somerset County. They have five municipal golf courses there. And from March 1 to March 19, they recorded 6,501 rounds of golf. And that was a 300% increase over all of March 2019. Now, the county has since closed the courses, and, and I'm sure there will be other courses that are closed for however long this goes on, two months, four months, who knows, it's all conjecture. But the attention that golf is getting right now, I can't imagine that it's going to be a bad thing long term. It, it might obviously hurt or will hurt in the short term for courses to be closed for any length of time, and you're losing all that revenue. Uh, but long term, I feel like this, this little bit of attention of golf can only help the game. What are your thoughts on that, Henry?
1: My, my gut reaction is, uh, first of all, I'm acquainted with the municipal courses in Somerset County, New Jersey, having visited several of them. Um, and, of course, I think that the, the, the write-up that, w- that you referred to in the New York Times makes clear that in these difficult times where so many people are being asked to sequester themselves or separate themselves from us others, golf becomes a, an attractive solution. And to a certain extent, it becomes a healthy solution. So I think golf certainly will will be a, a, an attractive destination for many people during these trying times. And and I hope that it reminds people uh, of something that is safe, that is healthy, and as an alternative entertainment that they can consider it as time goes forward. Um, you know that for for some reason it seems that in some segments there's a there's a, a, a kind of a, a reverse bias towards golf, that it's an, elit- an elitist game, that it's a game that's only for the rich people, and therefore I don't like anyone who plays it. And we, we just need to get past that because the idea of getting to go out with a child, a grandchild, a father a grandfather whatever those circumstances are and enjoy as hardy would say that green green grass i think that's a good thing and it certainly calls upon the importance of golf course superintendents to deliver on that safe haven and that green green grass
0: there was a, a comment i was doing some some reading and i think it was actually the comment section on a jeff shackleford post which actually linked to that new york times story and someone said, and I don't know who it was and not really important for this, but they said something along the lines of, you know, by this time next year down the road, people are not going to be rushing back to go to their spin classes or their uh, high intensity interval classes or maybe even going to the gym. You know, they're going to have spent this time outdoors, whether it's playing golf with their families, their kids, their their parents, grandchildren and, and grandkids, uh, grandparents together. What have you? You can't do that. It's not as easy to take a kid to the gym or to a workout class or to a spin class. But like you said, you can take your kid to the course, and you can have hours of quality time outdoors, getting a, a great athletic pursuit. I mean, it seems like this is going to be a positive when we kind of step back and and take the long view. I think you're right.
1: I, I hope it is, and I, and and, I, and I'm sorry that. Some people are are rediscovering golf because of this uh, this uh, illness that's floating around. And at the same time, if one of the residual benefits of the uh, the pandemic is reconnecting with the people we love, if uh, if that means a venue which is a golf course, then then those are good takeaways from an otherwise unfortunate time.
0: There is so much that's going to be unpredictable about probably the entire rest of of 2020, and that's from pro golf and and amateur golf and recreational golf and golf maintenance and and every corner of the industry. But what are you looking forward to, whether it's this year or next year, whether it's, again, just kind of advocating for the game, proselytizing the game to others? What are you looking forward to in in 2020 and beyond, Henry?
1: What What I look forward to as it relates to golf is the the return of golf as a spectator sport. So we have the opportunity to watch these men and women on the professional tours demonstrating those incredible talents they have faced with considerable adversities. Um, I I, I look forward to that. I I see that as a shared experience, uh, that's something that's important for all of us. For those of us in the business, for golf course superintendents in particular, uh, I would find a tremendous amount of satisfaction or maybe career gratification in knowing that I have a hand in providing that venue. I have a hand in creating that setting that so many people can tap into and find enjoyment. So I look forward to that. I look forward to having the chance to watch these great players hit shots that I could never imagine. Years ago, when I was just getting into the business, uh, I, I was at an event that was being hosted for old pros from times gone by. And there was a moment where the great Jimmy DeMeritt, it, it, near the end of Mr. DeMeritt's life, was was at a gathering. And this older gentleman, maybe similar in age to Mr. DeMerrit, kind of shouldered his way into the crowd and approached Mr. Demerit and said, Jimmy, I watched you hit a brassy at Riviera on the, I can't remember, such-and-such hole. And what was fascinating was in that moment, those two men went back to Riviera. Mr. Demerit's eyes lit up. He said, oh, do you remember how that ball just kind of kept rising and rising as it went up the hill? And the old gentleman was saying, absolutely. And remember how it ran right on out up onto the green? And those two guys were sharing this, this kind of transcendental moment. And I went from watching and saying, who's this guy butting his way into this conversation with the great Jimmy DeMeritt? And Mr. demerit responding so graciously and so, res- and so meaningfully to, to remembering that brassy that he had hit so many years ago. And So I think there are those moments that all of us can tap into, and I look forward to that especially. I look forward to meeting the next generation of great young players. You know, nowadays, I, I, I was a, an All-America golfer at Oklahoma State University. I thought I was pretty hot stuff in my time, and I couldn't even, I couldn't even caddy for most of these young players now that are coming out of the leading university programs. Uh, They're so talented. They're so capable. And and it inspires me just to watch them doing what they do. And I believe that's an effect that that the game has on lots of us.
0: I look forward to it, too. I went through a period of about 10 to 12 days where I just stopped looking at the sports apps on my phone. I realized there were no scores to look at. I actually just stopped looking at my phone at night. And then yesterday... Uh, we're recording this on a Friday. Yesterday was, uh, major league baseball's opening day. And yesterday was the first time in the, in several weeks that I have missed watching sports. And I got just very, very sad cause I've taken my three and a half year old daughter to opening day Early. every year. She's never missed one. And then it just washed over me again. I'm like anything, watching a golf tournament, watching a baseball game, just anything. And, uh, it'll be it'll be great when it comes back and it'll be a wonderful celebration when it comes back and i'm sure i will not be the only one crying probably pretty hard uh, at the first live sporting event i get to go to here whenever
1: i think we all have that that shared experience in knowing how important this is uh, in some ways watching these golf tournaments is like watching a greek tragedy mm-hmm. you're you're seeing people wrestling with with the universal truths that we all have to wrestle with uh, difficulty adversity triumph uh disaster whatever it may be and and that's played out for us on a regular basis and the stage is a great golf course that green green grass
0: and thanks to so many of our listeners for providing that stage and and making sure it looks as great in person and on television uh, as it possibly does (laughs) isn't that the wonder of it all Henry, this has been fantastic. Before I let you go, anything else that you want to talk about, anything you want to bring up, anything you're doing at at Audubon or at Global Golf Advisors?
1: Oh, gosh, no, Matt. Thank you for asking. I'm sure I've talked way more than anyone wants to listen to. So I encourage everyone that's out there doing the work that they do to keep doing it. Know that it's respected and appreciated.
0: Henry Delosier, again, your uh, Beyond the Page debut. It will not be the last time you're on the show. Again, Henry Delosier, he writes the game-playing column in Golf Course Industry magazine every month. His March column, Spread the Goodness of Golf, just hits so many great notes when it came out, and I think even more uh, right now with, with what everybody's going through. Henry, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thank you, Matt. I appreciate getting the chance to join you.